Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we are talking about proof assistance. These are software tools that let you write proofs um, in a format that the tool can check, kind of like writing a program in a specific format. You write a proof out in a specific format, and these tools will check it. And that would be just a proof checker. A proof assistant tries to go further than that and actually try to help you write the proof. It's like your little assistant. Isn't that nice? <laughs> um, so, yeah. And you definitely need help because writing proofs, if you thought code was writing hard, writing code with proofs about it. And I love this. This is really, I mean, I believe in this very much. But it's hard, okay? It's pretty hard. So, um, it's you definitely need some help. And uh, so we talked about caulk for a couple of times, and I'm in the middle of using caulk right now myself, and it's it's uh, it's uh, full of surprises in a sense. I mean, it's kind of um, it seems like there's a lot of complex machinery kind of all over the place, but also things work pretty simply a lot of the time too. So it's kind of a weird mix of kind of it feels like a spaceship, but with some kind of like antique car parts to it. Um, the antique car parts are, are good parts, though. Don't get me wrong. Anyway, I want to talk about Agda now. Um, and uh, I, I know Agda pretty well, and I like it a lot. Uh, and um, it's I actually have a book about Agda you might know. Um, and uh, so Agda is um, also based on type theory. It's also it's like based on constructive type theory, just like... Caulk. I didn't really mention that with caulk very much, but because a lot of times when people use these tools, if they want to do something non-constructive, and we talked about this in earlier episodes of the podcast, sort of constructive versus non-constructive, so I don't think I want to get back into that, but people just add an axiom, like you can add P or not P. That's kind of one of the paradigmatic non-constructive axioms, and you can just throw that in there, and um, uh and then you can do non-constructive reasoning if you want to. Now, it's not great for Curry-Howard because um, we don't... Usually people add those axioms and there's no computational interpretation of those axioms. Uh, so you... Although, as we've talked about also earlier in the podcast um, last year, um, you can actually give a computational interpretation to classical logic, which is totally mind-blowing. Um, so your, your P or not P proof can actually be viewed as a program. And it can run and do... But anyway, so, but Agda, like Caulk, is based on constructive type theory. So if you wanted to do, if you wanted to use non-constructive reasoning, you would have to add an axiom. But mostly, hey, great news, definitely for computer science. Um, a lot of stuff you want to do, like verifying properties of terminating recursive programs, that's generally something that you don't need non-constructive reasoning for. Um, that actually be kind of a cool little question is, can you find... Um, I mean, I'm sure you could manage to cough up a proof, some theorem that can only be proved non-constructively about just regular old structurally terminating recursive functions. Anyways, sort of beside the point. Um, so, Agda. Agda, um, Koch is kind of in the ML family. Like, it's got draws a lot of inspiration from the ML fam family of languages. Uh, so, it's, it's look and feel is a lot closer, is, is more similar to something like OCaml, in which it is actually implemented, by the way, uh, and there's a quite a close connection between OCaml and Caulk because, for example, um, uh, Caulk has like a byte a compiler down to OCaml bytecode, so you can run your your 
programs, like when you're doing proof checking, um, there's like basic parts of proofs where you're basically like, well, this thing is true because if you just run this piece of code, you'll see it gives you this answer. And to check a proof like that, what do you think you basically usually have to do? You gotta go run that piece of code. And so if that piece of code is gonna do something like really expensive, like very time consuming operation, then running it fast will make your proof checker go, proof checking go faster. And so Kalk has, um, I think it's fair to say, I'm not aware of anything with a more sophisticated evaluation setup like for trying to run your, your programs that you've written in the Kalk language. I mean, they get pretty fancy. I mean, they, as I said, they have a compiler down to, at least down to OCaml bytecode, um, which is intended to make that, you know, normalizing your program that is running it and getting an answer faster. Um, to my knowledge, Agda doesn't have anything like that. Um, but Agda is coming, is a language in the um, spirit of Haskell. It's written in Haskell. It's written in a whole, whole lot of Haskell, like over 100,000 lines of Haskell, which is, golly, a lot of Haskell. Um, and the language, the language um, implementers, I think, have drawn lots of inspiration from Haskell. The language looks and feels like Haskell. In fact, <laughs> I got into Haskell from Agda, which is the reverse of what would be sort of more normal. <laughs> you would probably get into um, Agda from having seen Haskell and kind of been like, ooh, could I get something? I mean, I, I remember uh, Philip Wadler, famous programming language um, theorist and guru, he, uh, um, he apparently was interested in getting into sort of, I mean, he's done all this theoretical work on paper um, proving interesting things about programming languages and programming language semantics. And I, as I understand it, um, and I did actually talk to him at some point, so I hope my understanding is partly inspired by his own, what he told me, um, that, you know, he wanted to get into this kind of stuff, like doing those kind of proofs, uh, but with a, th with a proof assistant, like in a, with a theorem prov proving tool. And he like checked out cock a little bit. And he was kind of like felt nauseous because I uh, felt nauseated because the, uh, you know, it's, it's, it just doesn't feel OCaml. You know, OCaml is a great language, but um, for me, at least personally, OCaml is like a transition to Haskell. <laughs> Sorry, OCamlers, don't hate me. <laughs> I respect OCaml a lot. It's really great. It's got some things better than other people do in certain areas, but um, I love Haskell much more now. Um, even though it took me quite a while to get to that point. Uh, so um, apparently, Wadler was kind of like. Yuck, this cock thing is just like, bleh, it's kind of ugly. Isn't there something that's more like Haskell? Oh, there's Agda, hooray. And so he went off and did a bunch of proofs and um, wrote a book uh, doing proofs about programming language semantics in, in uh, Agda. Because he's a big Haskeller and it fit, it fit his Haskell sort of sensibilities more. You write, um, you define everything by using uh, recursive equations in Agda, just like in Haskell. You have you have uh, fancier types than you do in Haskell. Although Haskell has reams of kind of pretty fancy features of its type system, uh, I think it's fair to say though that um, I mean Agda has true dependent types, and it has a termination checker. Haskell doesn't have those things. Um, Haskell wouldn't want to enforce all its programs to terminate, and then it'd be Haskell would be in this sort of difficult world, um, which I personally have tried to work on in research, and it's pretty hard of trying to have a uh, combine, safely combine terminating and non-terminating uh, programs and sort of be able to tell this part is terminating, this other part might not be terminating. 
because um, you'd want the terminating part under Curry Howard so you could have a sound proofs, right? Because with Curry Howard, if you could have a diverging program, you basically can write an unsound proof that isn't a correct proof of whatever you're, you're claiming it's proving. So, um, but in Agda, you, you write these um, recursive equations, and there's a termination checker that makes sure that they are terminating, and they need to be structurally terminating. So, we've talked about this kind of thing earlier in our podcast somewhere along the way too, but just as a reminder. So structural termination means that you've got these um, recursive equations you're writing and they're pattern matching recursive equations just like you would write in Haskell or that you would write in other functional languages too. You just don't... Haskell has gone the furthest in expressing these things in a... Um, I, I still sort of ask myself the question, why is it so nice? <laughs> these recursive equations, I mean, a lot of times it kind of breaks down, but for small pieces of code, it's it's really pretty great. You just write these, you, you get a locality, you sort of break your, your code into these little pieces. Well, if my input list is an empty list, do this. If my empty list is a cons, I mean, if my input list is a cons, do that. Of course, that's how it works in other functional languages too, but somehow the way it's organized as recursive equations ends up feeling like you've more, more decomp better decompose the problem, like each little piece is just a separate equation, has nothing to do with any, anything else. And in Agda, that's how you write your proofs, too, under Curry Howard. So you've got, you really kind of break down this case, this case, this case of my proof. I've got this equation, this equation, and this equation. And the recursiveness of the equations is what's giving you the inductiveness, the induction of your, for your proof. And you have to make your, you have to use your induction hypothesis on a smaller value. And so that's where we need the termination checker. We need to make sure that every time we make a recursive call, something's getting smaller. And it's getting smaller in a structural ordering. It's like I pattern match and I said, oh, my list is a cons. It has a head and a tail. Now I make a recursive call on the tail. Now that's great. We could, um, we see structurally that that recursion is going to terminate. And Conk uses the same method for termination checking. It uses syntactic analysis of your program to determine structural decrease. And somewhere along the way, in both languages, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I've played with both languages and you can find examples where they actually go a bit further than structural termination. They actually can let you do a little bit of manipulation, um, and uh, and they can still see that things are terminating. But you can easily break this. Like it's very it's it's very fragile. And really, you need to have right structurally recursive functions. Okay. Um, other points about Agda. Uh, a couple other interesting points I think from this sort of tool and sort of design point of view. Agda, um, you work with Agda through an Emacs mode. Uh, you can just sort of like ask it to like batch check your, your files if you want, but the regular way to work with Agda is with an Emacs mode. And the Emacs mode goes a bit further, in my opinion, than Proof General, by giving you a little more capability to inspect what is going on. Um, in Calk, if you write a proof term, like a, in the low-level proof language, you really can't inspect it at all. You can just ask the proof checker to check it. You can't figure out, it's hard to figure out like, oh, deep in the bowels of that proof term, what is this type of this expression? Or what type does this variable have? This is hard to do. In Agda, it's a lot easier to do because you can put a hole, which you just type a question mark, and when you load the file with a very Haskell-esque Control-C, Control-L, which is what you use in um, Haskell mode in Emacs to ask it to, to load your source file in the Haskell interpreter. Um, so uh, the whole transforms into this cool little area where you can issue some queries. 
you you can ask like what the types of variables are. You can ask what the types of expressions are. You can ask what type am I supposed to be trying to um, inhabit right at this point where I put my hole. That's pretty cool. Um, uh, <clears throat> the only downside of that is. So that's great. That gives you a lot more inspection capability. Inspection capability is somewhat diminished, however, by the wild inference that Agda is trying to do. And Agda does really quite extraordinary inference to figure out missing pieces of, ex of expression that you're writing. Because we mentioned, like, with dependent types, um, you know, say you want to use transitivity equality. I think that was my example last time. It's like, I have a proof of A equals B and a proof of B equals C, and I want to get a proof of A equals C. Simple. Well, you know, in these languages... That transitive equality, you actually need to specify the A, B, and C, at least sort of officially, in a fully written out proof expression. Um, and so that means the transitive equality, instead of taking two proofs, actually takes five arguments, the A, B, and the C, and then the two proofs. Nobody, everyone would just love to avoid writing all that extra junk if they can. And Agda, um, Koch infers quite a bit and has pretty impressive capabilities, but Agda um, also does a lot of inference. Now, the only downside about that from a usability perspective is when you go into one of these little hole areas and you're sort of checking, hey, what's going on here? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be proving here? It might tell you, well, you're supposed to be proving meta variable 367 applied to these 19 things. Like, what? <laughs> so sadly, and I think this is a very important point in usability of these complex, complex tools, um, it's really not a good idea to expose internals of the tool to the user, and meta variable names are a very you know egregious case of that. Um, I'm not saying I know how to solve that problem. <laughs> I'm just saying that it is a problem. Okay, if you're doing all this inference, how do I show to the user what's going on in a more understandable way than just like a meta variable? And because these are higher order, right? That's why we have meta variable 356 applied to a bunch of stuff. Because Agnes basically is saying, well, I'm not really sure what goes here, but I know it could depend on these 19 other things. So that's why it's a function that takes them in. It's like, oh gosh. Yeah, so that is not cool. But inspection ability to, to at least, I mean, that doesn't happen all the time. A lot of times you go have a hole and you go and look and see. You can, you can sniff around and see better what's going on. And that can help um, a lot as you're trying to understand um, why something's not type checking or if you're looking at someone else's code and trying to understand what they did, um, that's really helpful. Uh, okay, um, I'm going to definitely talk more about Agda in another episode. This was just a starter on it. Um, so thank you very much for listening in. I hope you're well wherever you are. Thanks for writing in. I had a user, oh, a user. <laughs> uh, I'm a software implementer. That's why I say something like that. Um, I, I had a, um, a listener write in and um, introduce himself and stuff and say hi and everything. So thanks a lot for doing that. Love to hear from people. Um, just, you know, drop me a line if you want to introduce yourself. Say hi. Give me some, you know, if you have something you want me to talk about or a question you have, love to, love to hear from you. So, okay, stay warm. It's really pretty cold. We'll have uh, del delightful Midwestern weather coming today, Midwestern United States. We get some crazy weather, and today we're having um, freezing rain, freezing rain, expected to coat everything in a layer of ice. That should be cool. All right, take care. <laughs>